Well, hello, friends. Welcome into this online space. This is our 25th live stream here at Jericho Ridge and new this week in person space at the Jericho Center for our first ever watch party. Uh, my name's Brad. I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here at Jericho Ridge, and I'm so glad that you're participating in our community in this way. Today, we're launching into a new series here at Jericho Ridge called Say What? And we're going to explore the hard and difficult sayings of Jesus. And what we're gonna see as we move through September and October is that some of the things that Jesus said are hard because they're difficult to understand, and others are hard because of the demands that they make on our lives that are only too clear, but we may or may not be in a space where we're ready to listen and obey. It's a bit like the 19th century American humorist Mark Twain, who is reported to have said, quote, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me, it's the parts that I do understand. See, friends, the Bible is a challenging book, and the parts about Jesus are no exception. So this summer, I was reading through the Gospel of Matthew, and Matthew is one of the written-down accounts of Jesus' life and ministry in the first century that we call Gospels. And uh, they form part of the text of the New Testament. And I was struck again by how many things that Jesus said, the stories that he told, that I had to pause and puzzle over. And this is after having been a Christian for decades and even having uh, studied theology at a graduate level. People like to think of Jesus as a pretty straightforward kind of guy, but he said some pretty obtuse and confusing things. So much so that in John chapter 6, verse 60, it's recorded that many of his disciples said, uh, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Now, granted, some of these hard-to-understand things are easily explained by a bit of deeper reading or research into the culture or the history of the first century world. And there's people who are really good at this kind of stuff. I read a great book by uh, Megan Larissa Good this last year, or a biblical scholar and theologian, Dr. F. F. Bruce, whose book forms a title, uh, inspiration for the title of this series that I read in the 90s. So if you want to do some deeper digging into what we're exploring on our times together here, Mike Ryder is going to be leading a study and discussion on Monday nights in a small group format. And so if you want to take that next step and go deeper, you can register now online or in-app for that group. And that'll help clear away some of those things for you. But one of the things that you notice as you read through the gospel accounts is that much of Jesus' ministry is recorded in a series of sayings or short stories called parables. And a parable is kind of like an illustration with a spiritual truth and a moral point to it. But sometimes Jesus leaves the story unfinished. Some of the stories Jesus tell feel like a bit of an illustration without a main point. And those ones read almost like a riddle. I've often wondered why God, in God's infinite wisdom, didn't just make some of those things a little bit easier for us. Why do some things about the Bible have to feel so confusing and for some of us so hard? And it's good to know that we're in good company, and you're in good company, if this is how you're feeling when you read some of the Gospels, because Jesus' original listeners, and even 
his original disciples felt this way as well. Turn with me in your Bibles or on your device to today's text. We'll be in Matthew chapter 13. And in this chapter, Jesus tells eight stories or eight parables, almost back to back to back. But interspersed between one of those parables is a great question by some of Jesus' bewildered followers. Let's start reading in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And he replied, well, you're permitted to understand the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what they have, what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Now, here's the ironic thing about this text. Even Jesus' explanation is hard to understand. What in the world does he mean by the secrets of the kingdom of heaven? What does he mean by people who only get a bit of it will have even that small amount taken from them. I mean, if Jesus is trying to get people to follow him, to believe in him, why doesn't he just say things more clearly? Why is he being obtuse about things? And his disciples seem to be pushing him for clarity as well. Just say what you mean, Jesus. Why tell a story about farming and seed scattering, a story about a mustard seed or yeast or wheat and weeds, or hidden treasure and fishing nets. Why not just give us the data? Just stick with the facts, Jesus. One of the things to consider in this conversation is that as human beings, we're actually wired up as narrative creatures. Sociologists tell us that we create meaning in our world through the stories that we tell ourselves and that we tell others. We're not always convinced by the simple, straightforward facts as we think we sometimes are. The current conversation, for example, around vaccines is highlighting this for us yet again. Scientists lead with data and people counter with stories that challenge that data. But, but public health is so accustomed to speaking to us in the language of spreadsheets. They, they're not familiar with the language of story. And that's why sometimes their messaging doesn't always land the same way for everyone. Because people are telling themselves different stories about what is true and what is untrue. And what can end up happening is that, and you may have had this happen, you can talk to someone until you are blue in the face and they can hear you, but they may not really understand you. And that's what Jesus is getting at in his response. Hearing is not the same thing as listening. As any parent or as any teacher can attest to, people can sometimes hear something, but they may not understand it. Jesus says they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen 
or understand. So what's going on here? Jesus says that there are secrets or mysteries with respect to the kingdom of heaven that are hidden from some and revealed to others. And before you say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, that sounds a bit unfair, Brad. Is Jesus playing some kind of shell game, a, a kind of hide and seek? The term mystery that is used here is used some 28 times in the New Testament. And it's always used to indicate something that was previously hidden or unknown and is now revealed or has become, by God's grace, apparent. And so what Jesus is getting at here is that there is an unveiling of truth that happens to people who are seeking, who are working to understand. And so by speaking in parables... Jesus is hiding truth in plain sight. He's creating the conditions necessary for a person who is listening to gain understanding, but he is also creating the conditions whereby a disinterested non-listener can hear what he said and can walk away thinking, huh, that was an interesting story, but not actually catch what Jesus is saying. Because friends, hearing is not the same thing as listening. And this is a challenge that's not unique to Jesus. It's very possible. In fact, it's very easy for any of us to experience the same thing. How many times, for example, have you read the Bible in the morning and forgotten what the passage was by the time that breakfast is finished? I know I have. Or maybe you've listened to an amazing Christian teaching or a podcast and you've forgotten what you heard 15 minutes later. Or you come to church and engage with a small group and not actually experience transformation in our lives. See, friends, hearing is not the same thing as listening. You can hear, but you cannot really listen or understand because that has to do with a willingness to put it into practice. And I've gone through this personally, uh, both on some days and then also some periods of my life where I'm taking content in, but I'm not really allowing God to speak to me. So I think it's important to be clear that Jesus didn't hide things or Jesus doesn't hide things on purpose so that they are impossible to discover. Every single time in his ministry that someone approached him or asked Jesus to explain himself further or give them insight into the meaning of a parable or a teaching, Jesus was more than happy to oblige. Every time someone said, uh, what do you mean, Jesus? Jesus took care to pause and explain what God's heart was and what he was trying to say to that parable and to that individual. But see, even when Jesus spoke the truth, people were non-receptive. Let's keep reading in Matthew 13, where Jesus gives his inquirers a gentle history lesson from Isaiah. Verse 14, this fulfills what the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened. And their ears cannot hear. They have closed their eyes so their eyes 
cannot see, their ears cannot hear, their hearts cannot understand. They cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. A prophet was a person who spoke out to the people what was on God's heart. And Isaiah had a long but pretty unsuccessful ministry because people mostly ignored or openly scorned what he had to say. And so God gave Isaiah a promise. He said, Isaiah, don't take it personally because this isn't about you. Even when I speak some things to you, Isaiah, there's going to be things that overwhelm you. And then when you try to share those things out to others, especially those who have hardened hearts, who have chosen to close their ears, who have chosen to close their eyes in unbelief, they will miss the things that are hidden in plain sight. It was true for Isaiah, and Jesus himself experiences the same thing. Think about it for just a moment. The second person of the Trinity had people who heard the very voice of the divine in human flesh speaking and said, meh, and walked away. Every time Jesus spoke, There were people who got it and who pressed in, and there were also people who ignored him and who walked away. And so why should you and I think that when we share our faith that it should be any different for us? There will always be those who are hearing but not listening, those who are looking but not really seeing. So... Why is this important for you and for me? Well, the first thing that I want us to consider is that there is a trajectory both to belief and also to unbelief. Mennonite Brethren sociologist and anthropologist Paul Hebert wrote about this, and he he distilled it eventually to what he called the difference between center set and bounded set thinking. See, Hebert was a missionary, and he began to ask, when it comes to faith, how do we know who's in and who is out? Who's still on a journey? See, a bounded set, Hebert would say, is a kind of place that delineates the lines of who belongs very, very strongly. If you're like us, you're in. If you believe the right things and act the right way, you're in. And that's a very conventional way of ordering things. But Hebert began to study the life of Jesus and asked, was that true for Jesus? And Hebert began to ask and explore, why not build a church by defining the center rather than patrolling the boundaries all the time? What would it look like if we placed the person of Jesus at the very center of the church's life and practice and invited everyone as individuals to orient their lives around him? And Here the question becomes more, what direction are you moving in? Are you on a trajectory toward belief or a trajectory toward ever-increasing unbelief? See, some of you have identified as Christians for many years, but your trajectory currently is not one that is leading you toward God or toward others right now. You're growing hard and you're growing cold. But the good news is 
that if you are listening to this, then it's not too late to make a trajectory adjustment. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, Jesus says that the result of turning toward him is experiencing healing and blessing. And friend, that is my deepest desire for you. It's our deepest desire for you here at Jericho. You can make that turn today by simply saying to God, God, I admit I've been on the wrong path and I need to choose again to walk out a path toward you. I want to open my life and my heart up to you. And maybe you're doing that for the first time. Maybe you're doing that for the thousandth time. If you've done that today, I want you to reach out to us. We would love to help you take some of those next steps in your faith trajectory back toward God. That can really feel hard, but the text in Matthew chapter 13, verses 16 and 17 closes with a short word of encouragement to those who do. But blessed are your eyes, Jesus said, because they see. Blessed are your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. They longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. See, what we see here is the blessing of understanding comes in stages and in phases for all of us. The thing that strikes me about that text is that Jesus said that many prophets, many righteous people pressed in to see and to hear, but they didn't see it. They longed to hear what you and I hear, but they didn't hear it. They would have loved to have had a Bible written down in the language of their heart so they could pursue a deeper connection with God, but they didn't have it. See, friend, none of us get to the place of full revelation on this side of heaven. Oh, sure, there's things we can get clarity on that are revealed to us in the scripture, but there is also a need for you and I to build into our faith space for mystery and space for wonder. Space to say things like, I'm not sure about that, or I, I want to learn more. See, if you and I get to a place where we say, I totally see, I totally understand, that's actually a place, not of faith, but of arrogance. See, truth can illuminate you or truth can blind you. And when he speaks in parables, Jesus is not being mysterious for the purpose of creating confusion or mystique. He's inviting you and I and the original listeners into a learning environment where we have to roll up our sleeves and do some work. So that's the invitation that's extended to you and I in this season and that we're going to explore together in this series. Are you willing to put in some of that work to create space in your life so that you can listen, really listen to what it is that God is saying to you? And I know this can be hard with all of the buzz and the noise that comes with starting up again into a fall that's unlike any September we've experienced in our lifetimes. But for all ages, and across all stages of spiritual development, the real question is, does your fall include some intentional time and some intentional ways that you are going to try to listen to God? 
Maybe that's just getting up a few minutes earlier so you can spend time in prayer. Maybe it includes making space in your calendar for a small group. Maybe you're going to take a silent retreat where you can spend time out in nature, quieting your soul so that God can speak to you. And this is one of the reasons why every week we make space for worship in song, because it can create that environment that's really like a prayer where we can reflect and listen to what it is that God is saying to us. And so the worship team is going to lead us now in a few songs of reflection. You may want to just take this time and instead of singing along, just reflect, pray, journal, say, God, I invite you to speak to me. I am open. I want to hear and I want to respond. Let me pray for us together. God of the prophets and the truth tellers, spirit of truth who speaks through unexpected voices, Jesus, the one who works mighty deeds from fragile possibilities, we want to hear you. We want to know your presence and to listen for your truth. We listen for you. Open our ears. Open our eyes. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.